It's Tuesday the 16th of March. Welcome to our Afternoon Sport Deep Dive. I'm Tim Gilbert and Shane Lee, have you been back in the kitchen? Haven't been back in the kitchen, mate. I haven't got time with all this footy going on, mate. We've got the AFL starting this week and, and there's, uh, there's NRL kicking off. We've got tennis to talk about, mate. So no time for cooking this week, mate. I've got, I've got to concentrate on my footy. Of course, but how are you coping with all the high school demands now that you've got a high school? They, they, we get lots of notes. And- yeah, emails coming left, right and centre. My daughter Zara just started at Loretto Kirribilli. So, uh, yep, there's lots of emails and lots of functions to go to, mate. So, yes, the whole world of uh, being a parent of a, of a teenage kid at high school. It's a lot of work to do, mate. Yes, Shane Lee on his toes, ladies and gentlemen. And you have the opportunity <laughs> to win a Spartan signed cricket bat by Chris Gale. It's the same type of bat he used when he played. Simply follow us on Twitter or Facebook, and someone will be a lucky winner. Coming up on the show today, Jaslyn Hewitt, all things tennis, our editor-at-large, Rob Gilbert, the world game and the AFL just about to start. Shane, there's still dramas in the world of cricket. Channel 7, Cricket Australia, tell me more. Well, yeah, so Channel 7, obviously, uh, the major rights uh, deal with Cricket Australia, they're they're clearly disappointed with the way that the season panned out and the change of schedule uh, by Cricket Australia. So they're asking now to go and um, they want Cricket Australia to reveal old documents between Foxtel, the Board of Control in India, um, the Tasmanian and the ACT governments to see why these uh, rule changes actually happened. So... Clearly, they, they, they don't want to be paying out all, all their money to Cricket Australia, so uh, there's a bit of a battle on the hand. Cricket Australia are saying they won't reveal those documents, so that's the first phase in a in a legal case that could linger on here, Timmy. One thing, though, like just anecdotally, and it's got nothing to do with anything in a court, um, just looking at the summer, it panned out differently to what a lot of people expected, really. The, the ratings through that test series were through the roof for everybody. Yeah, that they were, And um, but I think what Channel 7 saying is that it was total disruption to their scheduling um, so they've got sponsors and and that's just an advertisers mm. in around that so uh, there's real issues there for them it just comes down to money once again but uh, yeah watch this space because this ain't going to go away that quickly because we're talking about hundreds of millions of dollars here big news in rugby league Joseph Suwali this uh, teen sensation he's only 17 years of age we've seen extra coverage of his games playing for North Sydney and the NRL have decided to tear part of their rule book up and say that he's allowed to play because there was a rule saying that you had to be 18. What do you think of this? Do I think he's good enough? I think he potentially is. Um, he was spotted with Belandis over the weekend. So um, it's a big thing that, look, on one side of the coin, they're saying that kids that have started too early are pretty much burnt out by the time they're 24, 25. But I know the Roosters want this guy into their, their starting lineup and they're saying he could be playing as early as next week. So He's clearly a talent. Just hopefully his body is hardened enough to, I suppose, absorb the changes against men at his early age. So wait and see. Yeah, he's certainly a big fella, uh, 17. Mm. We've seen players play young before, and there is that danger, isn't there? It's, and that's why they, they have taken baby steps. But, uh, look, we wish him well. We, we wish the Roosters well. He's an extraordinary talent. I've watched him play. The balance that he has is amazing. Now, AFL, everyone's very excited about it all starting up on Thursday night. Uh, the Brisbane Lions, is there anything worse in sport than when someone says, oh, you're not angry enough, you're not nasty enough, you're not intimidating enough, but... 
uh, the Brisbane Lions have hit back and said, hey, come on, we've got a different attitude for 2021 because they've been criticised. Yeah, big time, mate. And there's nothing worse as a, as a sporting team or a sportsman to be called soft. Uh, and that's what they're alluding to here. And um, Harris Andrews has come out and defended these claims um, for the Brisbane Lions, saying they're not and um, and they're going to perform well. But, uh, yeah, it might be just a bit of a pre-season rev up and – um, the Lions have some serious talent up there, but they haven't really uh, performed in the big game. So, you know, watch your space once again. But, um, yeah, being called soft, not great, Timmy. Yeah, it's happened to me quite a bit, and, and it's actually on the money <laughs> because I really do need to keep my star jumps up and do some sit-ups. Well, someone who's definitely not soft is Jaslyn Hewitt. She is our tennis expert. There's so much going on in the tennis world. Time to hit the court. New balls, please. And uh, with that, Jaslyn Hewitt, how are you, my friend? Great, guys. Hey, Jazz, quick question. Kim Kleisters, is she still trying to make a comeback, is she? Yes, so she's uh, still attempting to get back out on court um, after her first round at the US Open loss last year. Um, mm-hmm. she, she had more knee surgery in October last year and I think was planning to come down for the Australian Open but then got uh, COVID-19 in January. Um, yeah, she, she, her return to play plan was coming up in the next, I think, for the Miami Open and then she's actually now withdrawn from that again. So mm. a lot of fans are disappointed not to see her back out there but uh, you got to think that she's turning 38 this year and had yeah. that much time off since having three kids I mean, she did make that fantastic return after her first retirement in 2007 to come back and win the US Open in 2009. But you just think it's got to be, mm. well, it's had another 12 years on now. It's, uh, it's a long time for an athlete to be uh, in between um, sports, that's for sure. Well, look, at, there's a bit of a thing going on now, particularly around tennis and in some other sports, to be fair, uh, of players wanting to just keep playing. Hers is quite a different story because it's been – you know, protracted, hasn't it? She's played and she stopped and she stopped and she played. But Roger Federer, he is the GOAT, the greatest of all time. But is it time? Is it time for him to give it away? Well, uh, he lost second round this week to the eventual winner um, at the Qatar Open, Nicolas Bazil-Lazvili. Get some good names coming out. Right, I'm glad you, you said that one. So he did have a, a tough three-setter. He lost to Nicolas in the second round, 7-5 in the third, after his massive uh, three-setter the round before. Probably his body is not at that level that it really needs to be at, given it's his first tournament. He has since uh, withdrawn from uh, Dubai, which starts this week. Um, he just wanted to have another training block. Don't know if they're just playing it safe, especially thinking that you've uh, you've got Wimbledon coming up, which is the event that he really wants to peak at. But... Hopefully his, his body's uh, on the mend and he, it is just a training week and no other injuries from the ma- two massive three-setters. We are seeing the changing of the guard here a little bit, aren't we? Because Daniel Medvedev has just gone into the top four. For, um, so I think he's seated number two in the world now. If that's the first time the top four has changed in about 15 years, is is that correct? Yes. So it, it is a big step um, having Daniel come through there and, and break up the top four. I think Leighton was the last person that was in the top mm. four and that was back in, I think, 2006 or something crazy like that. Mm. So they have had a stronghold. Um it, it is about time that we're seeing this fresh blood come through. I think Alex Zverev will be up there very quickly and Dominic team as well. So it is exciting times in the men's men's tournament. I think uh, well, ATP Tour, I think they're going to have some great names 
probably for the next 10 to 15 years if they can look after their bodies right. Some of our exciting Australian players on show this week too. Yeah, uh, in Mexico the last week we had Ellen Perez and Astra Sharma win the doubles title at the WTA event over there. So it's great to see those two back on the doubles court and doing well. They've both won doubles titles previously. Astra Sharma had that amazing run at the Australian Open a couple of years back in the mixed doubles, making the final. Um, and then Dubai Open on the men's side of things. Unfortunately, Alex Dimonar lost first round overnight to uh, Jeremy Shardy in a tight three-setter. And um, Jordan Thompson just left uh, Sydney last week. So this is his first tournament back and, and heading back overseas. He lost to a player called Emil 6376. Um, he did have that bulging uh, disc in his neck at the Australian Open. So it is something he's been working on in the last couple of weeks here in Sydney just to build up his neck strength. So hopefully he'll continue to um, stay over in Europe and play a few more events and not have to come home injured. Um, also, we've got Alexi Popper and, and Matt Ebden coming up. Both of them have tough matches. Right. Alexi plays uh, Chenkov, the number eight uh, seed, and Matt Ebden plays the informed Batista Agut, who uh, went quite deep last week in the Qatar Open as well. Jazz, just quickly, what's the latest with Andy Murray? Um, we spoke about him on the show uh, earlier in the year, and um, he had COVID issues, et cetera, et cetera. Where's he at now? Yeah, so now he's just actually uh, said that they've had their first uh, fourth baby. Um, wow. So no one actually Ooh. knew his wife uh, was pregnant, and uh, it was uh, unlike the London press to not know what's going on with uh, a celebrity over there. So, yeah, he's withdrawn from the Miami Open and uh, is now have, has now just had their fourth baby. The COVID baby boom kicks in again. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. <laughs> yeah, he's going to be busy, Andy and his wife. Now, what about this uh, tennis player that was stalking the umpire? This is a G-up, isn't it? Yeah, it's uh, very disappointing to see tennis players behaving like this, especially against umpires. Uh, we have enough uh, trouble trying to get great umpires out on court at the uh, international level, yet alone your local events. And uh, Bosnian Demir Zumha, he's 125 in the world, but his appalling behaviour had him have two unsportsmanlike conduct uh, penalties against him, had a point penalty. Then he since retired. Um, he was calling for the umpire to get down from the chair and wanted to mm. have a go at him. So, um, no, very interesting over in uh, Dubai this week, but uh, hopefully the behaviour continues and it's good to see that it's uh, another country copying it and not the Australians. T- Timmy, you are always pretty cool, calm and collected on the court, weren't you? Well, I was hopeless on the court. That, that was one thing I was, absolutely <laughs> hopeless. Golf's more my game and I, I've moderated my behaviour. So I just keep it under control and set my expectations low. But I, I wanted to ask you, Jazzy, as well, um, big Adelaide Crows, I know late, a big Adelaide Crows fan, your family and friends in Adelaide, huge footy fans. So there must be a real air of anticipation. Obviously, the NRL came back last week, but they must be very excited about the footy starting up. Yes, uh, Adelaide always loves their AFL. It took a while for me to get into the NRL over here, coming from Adelaide. And and the Adelaide Crows is, uh, is definitely our team from when we're all Little youngsters running around football park every morning. You had Graham Corns out there training with the Adelaide Crows. So you're in Adelaide. You just uh, it's that home environment and feeling like you 
you belong to that team. So, yes, it's very exciting. The Crows will be hitting the field this weekend. Yeah, the Crows need to lift this year, don't they? They had a terrible season last year and Matty Nix is under a bit of pressure. So we'll see how they go, Jazz. What do you reckon? Yeah, no, I think they'll, they'll do all right this year. I mean, uh, unfortunately, I, I don't always go for the best teams having the last few seasons with Crows and um, <laughs> Para-Eels. Um, but the loyalty is there. Love it. Yeah, Love and it. don't they? Look, just, just finally, there's, there's an absolute unbridled hatred between the Crows and the Power isn't there? Like, oh, I've spent a lot of time working in Adelaide and, and spending time building friendships over there, but boy, they hate each other. <laughs> yes, it is It is very uh, black and white, and that was uh, the funny thing with uh, Darren Cale, who is uh, a lifelong uh, Port Power or Port Adelaide supporter with his dad being so prominent in the club and then working with Leighton and, and having uh, that rivalry <laughs> there. So it, it is it is very strong, um, and you, you definitely, uh, one of the first questions you ask someone is if they're a Crows or a Power supporter. Yeah, we just generally check if they've got teeth from Power anyway, but that's another whole story. <laughs> oh, dear, look, look out for the hate mail, the Shane Lee hate mail, having a crack at the dentistry of that wonderful sports organisation. Jaslyn, it is always a treat and we'll chat real soon. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Jazz. Bye. Coming up next on Afternoon Sport, the World Game, of course, both here and overseas, and the AFL is about to bounce off. Rob Gilbert is in the house, our editor-at-large. Stump to Stump is Australia's newest and most interactive cricket platform for all cricket fans, players and clubs to share stories, match results, memories and experiences. Stumptostump.com Robert, the calico posts are awaiting. I think AFL fans are just bursting out of their skin. I know they don't give much attention to the preseason games, but boy, oh boy, Thursday night, Richmond Carlton, what is the beat like in Melbourne? No, they don't, Timmy. Um, G'day, Shane. It's just on the edge of seat stuff. Um, when Monday came around, people were ticking uh, the crosses off the wall as if they were in prison waiting to escape. But, you know, it was like... Um, and not just Collingwood fans. Yeah. No, no. It's got a bit of Andrew Dufresne when he left Shawshank. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So so we'll, we go back to last season, the NRL, the uh, rugby, uh, netball, every, every sport in, in Australia around the world was affected by this. But uh, the AFL season ended on the 22nd of March uh, until mm. it resumed on the 11th wow. of June, obviously went through till October. Uh, so uh, uh, the big difference for the AFL is that, uh, that there were no games played in Melbourne. The entire competition was pretty much played in the hub of Queensland, South Australia, WA and so on. So the, the one thing that uh, if you're a true Melbourneian that uh, you do get though is that people – where they could, and there were some who were unable to financially, kept their memberships mm. and uh, and they and they kept their money in the clubs, which was vital. Mm. So uh, you've got the um, the Richmond Carlton match on Thursday night at the G. Um, then you've got. Um, Collingwood versus the Bulldogs on Friday night at the MCG as well. And then uh, the third match in a row at the MCG, Melbourne versus Fremantle. So at 50% crowd capacity, it's not unreasonable to think that you're going to see 150,000 people at those three games yep. alone. Uh, so it's just, just, let's just say, Timmy, just massive anticipation. 
It's huge too. And um, Richmond, obviously a, a great team and great club at the moment. But Carlton this year, people are expecting a lot more and a little bit of a boost this week. They got uh, their leading goal kicker from last year, Harry McKay, back in the, in the team. So good signs there for Carlton, but they've got their work up against them, haven't they? Shane, like every team, there's much anticipation, much mm-hmm. hope before a ball is kicked. And, uh, and Carlton are uh, one of those teams that, uh, you know, since 1995, they haven't won a premiership. For many, many years of football, they were the uh, the prince mm. of the competition and, uh, you know, equal top of the, the ladder in terms of premierships won. And uh, uh, it, it was the decline of this great club uh, in, from the, the late 90s uh, onwards that really uh, spiralled out of control. Control after uh, John Elliott was president, and uh, look, I, I know John personally. I think he is per- a great guy. I think he was mm. a man of his era of the time. Now, it's not forgiving some of the things that went on, but I attribute a lot of the uh, salary cap issues to, to pretty much every club. And um, and Carlton were, uh, and this is coming from a Collingwood supporter. I think punished more severely than any other club in the competition, and they still suffer to this day. So, uh, you know, for me, as somebody who grew up in the seventies with Timmy and and you. Shane too was uh, you know boys from rugby league Heartland. Uh, we knew Collingwood and Carlton. They were the two teams that we were aware of. Of course, mm. Richmond and Essendon and all the rest of them. But they were the two teams yeah. that uh, that that interstates uh, from the NRL rugby league states were conscious of. So so it's just about time that Carlton came back and became the powerhouse that they were because. Well. You know what? It's no fun flogging them. You want to beat them by a point. Yeah, exactly. How does it go? I love the song too. We are the mighty blues. How does it go? <laughs> I thought that's no, no. It's a, I thought that was no, my sort of party trick at the end. No, well, you got it right. You got part of it right. It's like we are the navy blues. We are the old dark navy. Blues. Oh yeah, exactly, exactly. And and and, and I love that. And and I, and I love the songs of the AFL. And I love the rich and the rich anticipation that people have, and the way that the game is followed so we will have 50,000 people as you say three nights in a row which will, will which will outstrip any other crowd in any other sport and I don't quite know why it's not at 75% but we're not going to get political Rob talking about great rivalries Arsenal Tottenham yeah look uh, th- th- there are derbies in international football that are as big but none bigger than Arsenal versus Tottenham and when, when a derby uh, takes place as anyone who follows any sport knows all bets are off form is turned on its head and and, and that was exactly what happened in the, the final game of the current round in the in the Premier League where uh, I get this uh, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang was sat on the bench uh, the captain of Arsenal by his uh, coach Mikel Arteta for a, uh, a breach of off-field protocol whether that was related to COVID or whatever but he didn't mm. play he was on mm. the bench so to, uh, to, to sit him out um, against of all teams Spurs was just a massive decision for Arteta. They uh, they then go down 1-0. Um, Eric Lamella uh, scored what is referred to as a Rabona in uh, in the uh, uh, the world game. And so pretty much he's on the point of the of the box and he, he nutmegs the defender in front of him and curls the ball around the far post. Uh, the defence and, and the keeper all left gobsmacked. So poor old Eric though, um, he was the hero one minute and the villain later on <laughs> in the game because uh, Martin Odegaard equal 
equalised just before mm. half time, and then there was a penalty where Alexander Lacazette uh, uh, put Arsenal in front, and then the you know the typical derby animosity comes through. Lamella gets a yeah. second yellow card, and he's sent off. Arsenal win. Uh, Jose Mourinho absolutely spewing and blames the VAR and referee. And I think in this instance, he's <laughs> he's right because Lacazette's yes. penalty wasn't a penalty. And man, and man, you put a dent in um, in West Ham's champion leagues leagues bid too, haven't they? Yeah, they did, uh, and, and that's rough because um, the issues for uh, West Ham were largely around one of the players that's turned their form around, Jesse Lingard. So he, he signed with West Ham. He, he was uh, uh, one of those um, players that could have been anything earlier on in his career. It was started off with Manchester United, um, had some time in the wilderness, and and David Moyes has brought him back under his tutelage at West Ham, and he's been key to West Ham's rise up the ladder. But because he's on loan from Manchester United, he couldn't play in that game. So uh, he would have been the difference uh, for most experts. Uh, so Manchester United beat West Ham, but West Ham's still up there and about, so they were fortunate that the other results went their way. Everton, and as we've already mentioned, Tottenham losing. So so Ever- uh, West Ham is still sitting in, in fifth spot. They've got a game in hand against Chelsea. So so they're still on the rise. Rob, I, I know we have some levity on our podcast. We have some fun and we hopefully disseminate, you know, sports news and, and chat about it. But but on a serious note, there is absolutely no place for racism in any form of sport. It shouldn't be in any part of life. But we're seeing a story in the A-League, just some murmuring of, of racism and it's you know, if, if there's any truth to it, it's just not good enough. Well, there is truth to it, Tim. That's yeah, the unfortunate thing. Cassini Yengi, the Adelaide youngster who, who scored his first ever A-League goal against uh, Melbourne Victory at uh, Marvel Stadium on Saturday night. So Adelaide uh, came back from 1-0 down. They end up winning 3-1. And social media after the game on Cassini's account uh, had, um, you know, well, just the, 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 the obvious stuff, you know, uh, emojis of monkeys and that sort of garbage. And mm. uh, it's just filth. I, I, look, I knew I knew it was true, but I'm just like, yeah, that was more of a statement than anything else. It's like if there's any semblance of truth to this stuff, it's just completely unacceptable. No, no, exactly, and uh, and so um, and, and unfortunately. It's, it's an issue that is uh, a, a, a pall that casts itself off over the international game, and it happens all too often. So, so it's not just Australia um, that, that is guilty. There are plenty of, uh, of countries around the world, in Europe, South America, et cetera, you name it, uh, uh, where, uh, where there is uh, racism in the game. And uh, uh, you know, what can we say? We're all on the same page. These people should be banned for life, yeah, but these are just words. How do you do it? How do you, how do you catch somebody? Out who, who is prepared uh-huh. to hide in the long grass and use uh, the coward's castle sewer that is uh, uh, large parts mm. of social media to uh, to say this sort of stuff just to get their own kicks? So, I know you're not a lawyer, Rob, but, so, but where is that at? So if someone says something online under a, I don't know, uh, on a certain account, can they be held liable? Because it says there's a police probe at the moment. So what does that mean and how can people get caught? Like, Yeah, well, they can be. And, and, and it's really up to the social media. You know, it's big tech that um, that's in control mm. of all this and yeah, it's, it's right. a matter of whether they're prepared to do something about it because, you know, you can talk about burner accounts and fake IDs and all this sort of stuff, but it's got to start somewhere. So if somebody in it, uh, you know, whether it's Facebook or Twitter or Instagram, you you know, you take your pick, uh, is prepared to, to drill down and make an example out of some of these people – 
then it will stop. If somebody is arrested, if they are charged, if they're put in jail. Now, for God's sake, if it's good enough for them to punt old Donald Trump from Twitter, yeah. then mm. why don't they deal with these idiots? You know, it, it can yeah. happen. We, we all know it can happen. So oh, it's just yeah. a matter of someone taking a stand. Yeah, absolutely. And and others have the power to have a crack at Coward's Castle. And that's what it is. Mm, you talk about yeah. the long grass. It's just some coward uh, and, and obviously a racist behind, you know, a computer screen or a, or a phone. So let's just watch that space with interest. And if there's uh, one club that can't take any more bad news, it's Melbourne Victory. Seriously. Oh, I mean, they yeah. are bottom of the ladder and, uh, and, and, you know, unless something dramatic turns around, they're going to win their first wooden spoon. So this just adds the ultimate insult. Mm. I just want to finish on a bright note because we were um, talking, you know, before we turned our microphones on about the the perfect pumpkin soup. Now, Robert, when it comes to the connoisseur of food, like you and I are quite the Oscar and Felix. You know, you, <laughs> I watched that the other day. I watched the original yeah. version with Jack Lemmon and Walter Matthau. I was on those. Yeah. <laughs> we're talking about the odd couple. What an ama- I love the movie. I love the series with Jack Klugman, of course, as well. But pumpkin soup. Quickly, we're running out of time, but what is the perfect, how do you make the perfect pumpkin soup as we head towards these colder months where we need a little bit of something like that? Okay, so this our listeners are going to be thinking this is the ultimate segue. Timmy, you are the master of finding one somewhere. But yes, in my former life, I had the grand title of air chef with Qantas. I worked in first class. So the pumpkin soup was one of my signature dishes at home. So so I I use the the take on a vichyssoise, so the, the classic leek and potato soup. So I'll start off with potatoes, with leek, with mm. with garlic. Uh, I think just that garlic flavour adds so much to it. And then pumpkin, uh, whatever preference of pumpkin you like, and then chicken yeah. stock. So just cover your vegetables uh, with uh, the chicken stock in a in a large saucepan. And mm. then when you get it to the boil and they're just at that point where you can put a, a knife right through them, that's when you turn them down and uh, and you get your your, uh, your your hand stick, your your blender, and uh, and make sure that you put it under. The that hot liquid because it's going to splurt out at you and you don't want that to happen. And mm. you blend it all together beautifully, season it salt oh. and pepper, a bit of white pepper, cracked pepper, uh, some nice sea salt. And then once you've uh, seasoned it to your taste, then you introduce some cream, uh, oh. double cream, uh, just stir it through, some nice thick toasty bread, a few wow. chives just on the top there. You're mm. right, you can't get better than Goodness that. Goodness gracious me. Amazing. Oh, that is exceptional. And there is a sporting flavour, a real flavour, because we can have that when we sit down and watch the start of the AFL or second round of the NRL. Rob Gilbert, always a treat. Thank you, Timmy. Thank you, Shane. Good on you, Rob. Take care, mate. That sounds delicious, mate. I'm hungry now. Good on you, mate. I'll make Take it for care, you boys. one day. That's it for Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Hit subscribe on your podcast app so you don't miss it. A big thank you to our guests, Jaslyn Hewitt and Rob Gilbert. Don't forget, follow us on Facebook or Twitter, and you may win that cricket bat from Chris Gale. They're great sponsors of ours, aren't they? Spartan Sports. Yeah, Spartan Sports. www.spartansportshq.com. And, of course, our producer. He wants his full name today. Darnus Maximus McHugh. Thank you. See you tomorrow. (laughs) We'll see you then, guys. Take care.